Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up the Same. I'm your host, Jason Madison, and I'm joined by my co-host, Trevon Edwards. What up, Trey? What's going on, Jason? And we have a special guest today, Amin El-Hassan. What up, Amin? What's good, man? I'm confused because this is not how this show usually goes, man. What are y'all doing? This is our Halloween edition. We're doing a Freaky Friday, a little switcheroo on you, and... uh I'll let Trey set up the next part. Amin Hassan is a prolific sports commentator <laughs> who serves in ESPN covering the major sports news. Amin, this is the one under two. Are you ready? I'm ready. Theater of the mind or Patino game? Patino game. I came up with that one. Levitard or the jump? Oh, damn. <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't even build up to it. You made it hard off the. Oh. Levitar. Get rich or die trying or sideline story. Hey, <laughs> even calling them this. Get rich or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> Lando or Mando? Lando. Wayne's brothers or Jamie Foxx? Wayne's. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Show or just them? Show. Jamie Foxx. Money talks or all about the Benjamins? Money talks. Easy. Denzel or Sam Jackson? Denzel. 50 or J. Cole? Cole. Penalty kick for a game winner or a hat trick? Penalty kick. Dave Chappelle or Eddie Murphy? Oh, shit. Stand up or just overall? Overall. Chappelle. DC or Marvel? Marvel. Flan or cake? Flan. Shout out to the flan. Breakfast flan. Text or call? Text. Braids or waves? Waves. I, I can't do them anymore because my I'm struggling, but waves. Money or fame? Money. That was the one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, I had fuck man. A couple of those really got me. Hey, Listen, I, I respect Jason because Jason do a lot. He he said he do about 30. I I had about a hot 15 and I was out. So respect to Jason doing those. So Trey gets the fun part today, and I get the you know the less fun part. <laughs> so um this will be, you know. The three topics that you know from your childhood. Um, so when you were a kid, you used to play basketball and soccer. Yeah. I'm a little interested in your soccer playing. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. Were you in AYSO or what was your organization? No, you know it's funny because uh, I was born in Sudan and I came here when I was four months old. And from the age of four months to eight years old, I lived in New York. And then when I was eight, I moved back to Sudan. And so soccer was like number one soccer was everything and i you know like i mess around with a little soccer as like a, as a kid but nothing nothing formal nothing serious but like once you get to sudan like there's there's no the pickup ball that people play is soccer right so you just kind of had to really be into it and so i got into it and um it was i played for like a club team like on the junior junior level it wasn't nothing I would say high level or anything. But what's funny when I came back to the United States at age 14, I was, I would say an average player in Sudan here. It was just like, Oh my God, this guy is so gifted. It was crazy. It was crazy to see that kind of that transition or whatever. Just like if you came up playing a really tough basketball league. Right. And then if you play basketball in L.A. and then you just move to Sudan or something. Yeah, exactly. It was like He's like Michael Jordan. And you're like, I'm actually really average compared to the people I grew yeah. up playing. And so that, that's yeah. what happened. Now, right before I left Sudan, I started really getting into basketball uh, in terms of following, in terms of playing and stuff. And so then when I came to New York, came back to New York at 14, that replaced kind of like I was still playing soccer because I was good at it. But it, Obviously, the thing that's most available, especially in New York, is going to the playground and playing pickup ball. And so it was like that's when my basketball started to rapidly kind of grow and push soccer out for me. 
So were you playing basketball in the high school that you went to in New York? Yeah, I played I played JV basketball. Um uh and then yeah, and then just a shit ton of street ball, going to the pickup courts, going to Utopia Parkway and, and Cunningham Park in Queens and a couple of times playing at West Fourth and places places like that. Like and again, like I would say I was decidedly very average of a basketball player. A lot of that is because I didn't have formal training as far as skill work or whatever, but I always had a feel for the game. And that I think that helped me and it definitely helped me in my career later on. Uh, but like from a skill level standpoint, I just I didn't have I wasn't like those people like at eight years old, you're doing a, you're working on left-handed stuff and you yeah. I didn't I didn't get that opportunity. So everything I do, it looks if you watch me play basketball, it looks ugly because it's all kind of like you know what yeah. I picked up kind of learning by myself playing on the courts. Yeah. No, I feel you. So so you didn't make the varsity team when in high school. Nah, nah. Yeah. My my varsity team was good. Like it's funny, it's crazy because I went to a private school, but like that was maybe the best team they had in like the history of the school. Uh, we had a couple of guys go D1 and stuff like that. And that never happened for a small private school in New York, Eunice. That shit just never happened. Most of those kids went to like D3 schools. Yeah. So, but, it, you know, it was cool. It was cool. I, I, I was happy. Yeah, it's funny. Like my last time playing or trying to play was actually for DeAnthony, who we saw today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at Verb. So I was a, I, I was coming from Fairfax, which is a really good school. And right. I went to Verb Day, which was also a really good school, but a private school for uh, Andre Miller went there. Mm -hmm. um, and Amir Johnson actually was there when I was there. And then he went to Westchester after that, right? Westchester, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a new kid or whatever. So DeAnthony's like, in basically anybody who's coming in who's black or whatever, because it's like half black, half Mexican, mm -hmm. anybody who's black, come try out for the team. And I'm telling them, I'm like, dude, I already know. I just came from Fairfax. I am not that good. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? But some of my friends were already there, whatever. So I'm like, all right, I'll come to practice one time. Mm -hmm. And I must have been out there for 30 minutes. And he just like, yeah, no. <laughs> I thought that story was going a different way. I thought he was I, def I definitely thought he had a better story than that. I thought it was going to be some like movie story where Jason yeah. made varsity. And no, no, no. <laughs> it was the opposite of that. Everybody immediately could tell my shit was getting blocked. I wasn't making shots. You know what I'm saying? Like, and everybody in there was tall as hell and cabal, and even like the short dudes, like this guy Mike Pagan, who actually was like an actor. He was in How Stella Got Her Groove Back. But he was the, he was the point. Shout to Mike Pagan, dog. Mike <laughs> yeah. Pagan, hey, crazy story about Mike Pagan. Mike Pagan was the name that you would always see. He was either ranked, but also was the guy that like he was like the Dion of high school basketball because he's playing basketball. He's pretty good, and then he's also in movies that you're actually going to watch. Like, <laughs> so everybody's like, "Yo, Mike, did you know Mike Pagan can hoop?" He's really nice. And it's like, but he's also in, you know, in this movie. And you're like, okay, well, cool. Is that I mean he's gonna go to the NBA because he's in this movie and he's roughly like five eight? He was like five eight, five nine. Yeah, like, like he's yeah. yeah. He was a decent basketball player, but he was actually a full-time actor. He was like Tyreek, bro. He was yeah. really acting in school and hooping. No, nah, that, that was real. But yeah, our team was too good. Like, so I ended up being the DJ and like we played. Uh, whoever, whatever school had the Lopez twins and Quincy Pondexter was on. The oh, uh, 
San something. San Joaquin or something. San Joaquin and from Fresno. San Joaquin Memorial. That was yeah. the team that they that the school they went to. And we actually beat them by one point on a tip dunk at the end of the game. But yeah, um, I feel you on not being that good at basketball yeah, in high school. Um, so you were also into comic books as a kid. What uh yeah. what kind of comics were you into? Did you have like some favorites? All, all the Marvel ones, so like X-Men. Incredible Hulk, Iron Man, um, the uh, the was X Factor, Alpha Flight. Like I was deep in the comic books, the Secret War stuff. But my favorite, my favorite of all time was Spider Man, mm -hmm. because Spider Man was from Queens. It was just like you never saw that. Like oh, like these, you know, everyone like. Tony Stark is from like New York City and he's been a billionaire or whatever. Right. Spider-Man was the only superhero with real life problems. And like, right. I know because we've had so many Spider-Man movies, people know oh, like his Uncle Ben died, da, 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 but like the real Spider-Man comic book, which all that shit happened. That was like episode one and two or whatever. I mean, uh, issue one and two. As it went on with the Spider-Man story in the comics, it's stuff like Peter Parker is broke. And so he gets a job at the Daily Bugle as like a freelance. Right. And so uh, like he's not making it. So then he starts doing shit as Spider-Man and he literally will put his camera up with the web on a skyscraper with a timer. Right. And so it takes pictures of him saving people and stuff like that. And then he would go in as Peter Parker and say, oh, I got these these pictures of Spider-Man saving right. the day and get paid off of that. Like he had a whole hustle. And then there's like an issue where uh, J. Jonah Jameson, who's the the, uh, the editor, is like, yo, all you do is bring me Spider-Man shit. Like, I can't use this. We we Spider-Man out. And so yeah. Peter Barry's like, what the hell I do now, right? Uh, there was an issue where he applies to be part of the Avengers, not because yeah. he's like a superhero, because literally my man is broke. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, yo, maybe this shit will pay. Yeah. The Avengers are like, all right, but you got to kill the Hulk. Because at that yeah. time, the Hulk was like, no one knew about him. They just said, this guy's just some dude out of control and spider-man actually goes and tries to kill the hulk and comes close but he doesn't quite do it because he turns back to uh bruce banner and he's like oh man like i can't kill this dude he's just a guy with a with an anger problem whatever <laughs> but it's like that was a constant theme in his life like i'm broke uh i gotta do right by my aunt may and then girl problems like right. i'm in love with mary jane mary jane don't love me back da 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 like he's trying to go at the girl so and, and, like, and she's and she's loving on this rich dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Osborne, Harry Osborne, or whatever, right? Like who yeah. turned out to be the Green Goblin, or whatever. Point being, my man had real life problems. Right. Whereas, like you know, I don't know, like the Fantastic Four, like how are we gonna stop so and so? Like, right. Spider Man was. I mean, he was he was a good dude, but at the end of the day, he's like, yo, man, I'm just trying to pay some bills out here. Spider Man <laughs> might have been the first superhero with bad credit. <laughs> the only the only they're all everyone else their their private lives are in control like right. everyone else's private life is fine and then yeah. they put on the costume and they save the day like spider-man out here like fighting super villains and also worried about like what grade he's gonna get on this on this uh, you know calculus final and, or this chemistry and that's final. why miles morales makes sense like spider-man should have been black absolutely. from the jump his struggles absolutely. in queens he living in that little ass apartment and then also trying to deal with a girl that was way out of his league and he really? still was trying to make that shit happen and still never his story never made him rich. He never struck it. Like they never, never gave him never, like one never, hit that they never gave him one 
he never got one big check from the city nope. after saving and doing all this other stuff. Yeah. He just go back to his bullshit ass job. That's how they blaming him for shit, right? Like calling him a villain and that like that's man, yeah, like man, I'm just trying to help y'all out. I'm just trying to pay my bills. I was just waiting on Spider-Man to pull a mask off and have a bad hairline after all the stress he had to do with. <laughs> so did, which what's your favorite Spider-Man movie? Oh, the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, okay. Because that one really tied in, obviously, what was happening with all the Avengers movies. But I thought they did the best job. Every Spider-Man movie that had ever been made before that, they always started at the beginning. My right. Uncle Ben, and my Uncle Ben died, and I feel bad, and da-da-da. And they just kept rebooting that same story. And Spider-Man Homecoming, they are like, look, you all know how he became Spider-Man. Right. Y'all know something bit him and all that. Let's just start it with where all the rest of these stories are. Right. I don't know if y'all seen it, but if you remember, it starts, with, I mean, it starts with all the stuff that happened in Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. but he shot it on his phone because he's 16 years old. Like, oh, shit. Right. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to be right back. And like, you know, so he's geeked out off of all of this stuff that's happening like a 16 year old would. Right. That was really well done. And obviously the, the relationship between him and Tony Stark, where Tony Stark looks at him like a little kid. Right, looking up at Tony Stark, but also saying, "Yo, I can do more." I really liked how they handled that. So you like that more than the Spider Verse movie? Oh man, the Spider Verse movie was dope. Yeah, I, I that's I, my favorite. I, it, it's super dope. I, I yeah. loved it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was smart. It was a great movie. But the I think the reason why I like the Homecoming one is because if it, it fits in with all the other Marvel stuff, and into the spider-verse was kind of like a standalone it's like it's a great story but it's yeah it doesn't have anything bigger greater than it it's just just yeah. that story i i for me like i like it because it is a standalone hmm. and like i can watch it by itself without and like bring people into it whether they're kids or older you know what i'm saying like and they'll like kind of be apprehensive about it which is kind of fun for me is like watching a movie with somebody when they're apprehensive about it and they're like oh, i don't know about this and then you get them 20 minutes into it and they're like oh this is kind of tight you know and yeah. i obviously him being black is a big part of it too and the cast yeah. you know what i'm saying Mahershal is in there he's dope as his uncle uh you know kind of villainish um but yeah i mean homecoming was dope too i mean i like jake Gyllenhaal. zendaya is great you know yeah the uh the the ones that he's wearing in uh and in into the spider-verse yeah and then uh, there's a scene where i want to say hypnotize starts playing took their time with this one yeah to like capture it the way it should have been captured so yeah That's, no I mean, it sounds it's, a dope, it's a dope movie it's it was and, and yeah oh yeah it's the movie starts with him listening to sunflower mm-hmm. and he don't know the words it's, yeah, that shit is hard. that was a dope ass scene i was like all right this movie tight yeah, yeah. no i loved uh, it yeah it was great um so staying on the movie topic uh you're a star wars fan yeah man as am i so let's see can you quickly rank 
nine through one for me. Yes. So the best Star Wars movie of all time is Empire Strikes Back. Like to me, like that's just the perfect movie. Um, you know, it, it it's all the all the real decisions that need to be get made happen in that movie, and it really sets the table for everything else. I really felt like uh, a new hope was just it was just there to kind of like introduce you. This guy's this, and this guy's that, and she's this or whatever. Empire Strikes Back is like, all right, let's like let's get into some real conflict here. Mm-hmm. Seven, eight years ago, I think I would have said like A New Hope was my second favorite one, but over time, it's dropped. And I go with Return Return of the Jedi as my second favorite one. Okay, because I like I just I I really like the beginning, but I also like the conflict that happens within Vader. You could tell throughout the movie. Yeah, it goes from yo, I'm just a I'm just an evil dude to like yo, man, that's that's life, right? Yeah, like. Empire is like, fuck this shit. The Emperor is the only way. The dark side is the only way, da-da-da. And then when him and Luke meet on Endor, and Luke's like, I can sense the struggle in you, da-da-da. And he says, it's too late for me. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, this dude knows. But he's just like, he's just kind of resigned to his fate at that point. Yeah. So I really like uh, Return of the Jedi. Third, I'll go with... You know what? To hell with it. I'm going to say this because people don't like... I love Last Jedi. I oh, love, I love the Last Jedi. I loved it. I hate coming in. I'll rewatch that movie a hundred times. Wow. I'll watch the scene with. I've literally have it queued up on my Disney Plus on my phone, where I I will go the two hour and nine sec nine minute mark where Luke has just kissed Leia on her head and he walks out and everybody's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. And the entire first order army is there and everyone's like, Kylo's going to come down and fight him. And right. Kylo leans forward and says, I want every gun we have yeah. to fire on that man. It's like, that is such a goddamn powerful scene. Yeah. And the whole fight. And when you go back and watch and realize a, they never make contact and B, this is the most important part when they are like, jousting Mm -hmm. and their feet are pivoting on the floor they do zoom ins when Mm -hmm. kylo's feet move across the floor he kicks up the dust and it turns red Mm -hmm. when luke moves his feet nothing happens Mm -hmm. you don't know that at the time you don't even recognize it until you figure it out later i thought last jedi was misunderstood because it really was like a star wars like nerd movie yeah because there's so many so many references to shit in star wars that you don't pick up on i think for regular people they're like yeah. so so i mean that's why i loved it yeah I, I mean i have a particular beef with that film i don't want to cut off your list too much but like um it felt like to me you know obviously to a lot of people who watched uh you know, the force awakens that they were setting up the trilogy for uh john boyega to be one of the main characters and i feel yeah. like ryan johnson went away from that and i feel like a lot of you know white people are scared of black people being in those types of roles. And like, you know, they were completely content with putting him to the background and making Daisy Ridley more of the main character, but it made more sense in the story of the movie to have him be present with the force like he was in the first movie. He even wielded a lightsaber in The Force Awakens and fought against Kylo Ren. And then for them to like 
resign his role yep. that whole you know whatever it was in the casino and all that stuff it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way so i couldn't have the same appreciation for the whole movie also the snoke thing really got under my skin him being nobody i oh. couldn't get down with that See that part i don't I, so all right so what you're saying by the way about uh john boyega it's not just you as a fan john boyega talked about this he did a interview i want to say with vanity fair esquire one of those magazines and he talked about how his role was specifically diminished. And the only reason he did Star Wars is because he thought this was going in a certain way. Right. And I think that's a, a perfectly valid criticism. It's true. He went from being a main character to kind of just a sidekick. Yeah. That's kind of messed up. At the same time, the Snoke thing, I loved it. Yeah. Because it was... Now, here's the, have you, all right, let me tell you this. Now we're going to get in real deep Star Wars shit. I didn't even, I wasn't even prepared for this, but I had a couple of minutes <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to do this right now. Do you, have you ever read the synopsis of what the episode nine was supposed to be? Yes. So to me, even though that doesn't answer the John Boyega part, it definitely completes the story the way it should have been, which is the reason they killed Snoke so early and made him into nothing was because, yo, he's too cartoonish of a villain. Right. He's too like, oh, I'm bad and I'm evil. Why are you evil? I don't know. That's just how I am. Right. Right? Like, Kylo Ren is actually way scarier. It's easy to root against someone who you don't like. Right. A more scarier villain is like, yo, that dude's actually a good dude, man. He's just fucked up in the head, right? Like, right. Right. and that's what Kylo Ren was in... in the beginning of episode eight and what he should have gone into episode nine because they were supposed to do where Luke Skywalker's ghost is haunting him and he's right. going crazy and he goes to Vader's castle and he mm -hmm. finds a, the Sith code and all. That's how it should have been and yeah. it would have made more sense and instead because they did like this pivot, it just turned into like a really, really lackluster movie. So yeah. anyways, so Empire 1, Return of Jedi 2, Last Jedi 3, New Hope 4, Revenge of the Sith 5, Attack of the Clones 6, Force Awakens, and then um, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace, and then uh, the last one, I just didn't like it. It was, just, it was just a horrible movie. It was, it was, I, especially, <laughs> let me put this way. I won't lie. It might have been ahead of Phantom Menace mm -hmm. until I read the original script and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I had it, man. Y'all right. had it. Let it, it be. Yeah. The last movie, it really invalidates a lot of the story from the other movies. And that's what makes that particular movie so bad is because it affects the whole yeah. like, canon of the rest of the, the, the trilogies. So I'm like, why would you guys do that? Like, don't fuck with the other movies. Yeah. Like, trying to create this. And the story wasn't even tight enough for you to do that. I and, didn't. And, I, and like, my thing is always this. I, I have a theory when it comes to storytelling. Resurrection can be used in a good story. Mm. But if you overuse it, it ruins it. Right. So right. think about Game of Thrones. Right. Mm. Like all these people die. And then like. Jon Snow comes back to life and you're like, okay. And then like they start going back to the well. And then he'll come back to life. And she'll come, like, yeah. if once you start doing everybody comes back to life, it ruins yeah. it. It's yeah. the same thing here. It's like, yo, Chewbacca's dead. 
Psych, he's not dead. And neither is so and so. And neither is a T. Yeah, neither is C3PO. His memory's back. Yeah, like what like, yeah. we've cheapened the resurrection as like, oh yeah, awesome comeback into just like a cheap trick to keep characters alive is what happened to power. So like, yeah, I, I, I wasn't really into power like that, but I heard it fell off towards it. That's a good com- that's Trey, a good comparison. Remember Trey? Like, I'm like, oh, Kanan's dead. And it's like, oh, no, Kanan's alive. Yeah, he like, somehow he survives the fire. And then, yeah, yeah and it, it is the same. But I feel like a bunch of shows and movies do that just to add they, the, the drama. They and, it keep, and it keeps fans to like, okay, I'm going to come back because I like this guy. Exactly. That's what it is. It's a character that they know people like. And say, if, like, the bold storytelling is to kill his ass. I don't care if you like him. That's a great story. It's like, fuck, they killed uh, my man in uh, season one of Game of Thrones, uh, Ned Stark. Stark. Yeah, Ned Stark was the only famous actor on that show in season one, and they killed his ass. And you're like, oh, my God, like, they real out here. The moment you start bringing people back, it's like you someone dying has no meaning. Like, okay, Right. And that's what made Game of Thrones so good, honestly. Like, from somebody who watches everything, I got I was late to the party. And I caught up like season five, like mid season. And I was like, I, I binge watched it, of course, the whole yeah. thing. And I'm like, whoa, this show is better than anything I've ever seen. Like, you know, you get to the Red Wedding and all of that. But just how they killed, you know what I'm saying? All the Boltons and everybody else. And I was just like, dude, this is it. And then they did what every other show does right after that. And it was like, all right, this sucks. This is just like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you famously worked for the Suns. Yeah. What What did you do for them, and what was your experience like working in the NBA? So I started as an intern, and I ended up as the assistant director of basketball operations. I did a little bit of everything. I did on court work with guys. I did analytics. I did cap work. I did scouting. I we had guys go down to the G League. I would go down to the G League and accompany them there. Uh, I like to say like. A, in the span that I worked, we had probably one of the most successful organizations ever to never win a championship because our GM was Steve Kerr. Our assistant GM was David Griffin. Our head coach, our first head coach was Mike D'Antoni. And then after that, we had Alvin Gentry. We had Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion, Shaquille O'Neal, Raja Bell, Boris Dia, um, uh, uh, Leandro Barbosa. Uh, our G League affiliate coach was Nick Nurse. His assistant coach was Nate Bjorken, who's the head coach of the Indiana Pacers now. And uh, since I left the Suns in 2012, every single NBA Finals has featured someone I worked with at the Suns on both teams. Since 20, 2013, 2014, 2015, all the way through 2020, every year in the Finals, I can point to both sides and be like, yeah, we had him. Yeah, we had him. Or I work with so him. So the like, Suns is realistically hoop royalty. I mean, in, in, but in a way, but we never won. If we won, people would be like patting all these people on the back. But because we didn't win a championship, and that's just how, how the game goes. I'm not angry about it, but like people don't remember you. Like, and you know, when you look at the way the game is played, people want to be up-tempo. People want to shoot threes. A point guard being the most you know, important position in the game right now. All those things were, it was us. We did that, but we didn't win. So we don't get the credit in the same way that the Warriors or, you know, the Heat or the teams that did win do. What was your, what was your favorite 
experience. I mean, like out of all the years you were there, the funniest thing that ever happened. Oof, the funniest thing that ever happened was the first training camp we had with Shaq. Um, you know, we every year we would have a, a dinner the first night of camp. And because it was the entire team and the team, you know, the roster included guys who were there for camp, but not really going to make the team. And it had all the front office people and all the coaches and some people of ownership, whatever. So we had a bunch of tables in this restaurant and it was organized kind of by like how important you were. But Shaq showed up late. So he sat at our table. I was a video coordinator and he sat at our table and Shaq sat there and he roasted every single person in the room and i'm talking about he would just look at somebody but look at this danny bonaducci looking ass motherfucker look at the, like every fucking person looked like some celebrity and he actually look at this out of shape ben roethlisberger i'll never forget that he called our video coordinator uh, a guy named elvis who's uh he works for, i think he works for the nuggets now he called him an out of shape ben roethlisberger looking motherfucker and we were dying and so our table was like right here and the next table over was like the elite table because that's where the owner of the team was steve nash grant hill and roger bell but roger was the one because the round table he was the closest to our table so roger could hear everything we were saying but obviously he has to pretend he's in this grown-up conversation over here about business and shit like that with the owner and I could see him like trying to fight the tears and fight the laughter away because Shaq is just going off on everybody. Everybody. It was that was so, the funniest. so did did Roger have Shaq's seat? And he was a fill-in? No, 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 no. No. It was it was I think I can't remember, like maybe it was it's always someone who doesn't know, right? When you're with a team, first of all, like when you get on the plane, for instance, some teams do assigned seats that literally say a name on the seat, but for a lot of, I mean, I won't say a lot of teams, but some teams like ours, it's just kind of known. Oh, no, no, that's that's so-and-so seat. That's like on the bus. You get on the bus, you're like, don't sit there. That's Al McCoy, the, the radio guy's seat. It's just known. Shout out to Al McCoy, by the shout way. Shout out to Al McCoy, the Hall of Famer. So, uh, like, the only person who will violate that system is someone who's not used to traveling or someone who's not used to coming to these team dinners. And in this case, I think it was one of the owners. He's like, oh, I'll sit right here. And he sat down. I was like, oh, shit. But Shaq didn't want to sit there anyway. Like, like he would rather sit at our table, at our lunch table, and sit there and crack jokes and everyone crying laughing. That's like, that's his sweet spot. I'll Shout out to Shaq being involved in comedy. Oh. <laughs> A lot of people don't know. He, like, put Kevin Hart on with his little yep. with his comedy special. And uh, he actually had one of the funniest moments in comedy history at his uh the roast the roast with jamie Fox. this is this is your conscience I, talk. I am your conscience <laughs> yeah. i want to say this to emma smith man i'm your conscience it is a pleasure man it sure did get hot in here am i fucking up right now i'm your conscience i really don't need to be up here right now I don't know what the f I was thinking. Your brother start making itch. money, you can't tell him shit. I'm your conscience. All right. I wish I was in a movie with Jamie. 
Are you right about that? 48 hours. You are right about that. 72 hours. In fact, I don't know. In fact, nigga, I need a cosigner. Can you cosign on the car for me? I just did another joke that didn't go over. <laughs> I'm your conscience. Maybe I should say something nice about Emmett and wrap it up. <laughs> or maybe I should talk about how black people have to struggle. Yeah, that'll get them on my side. Thank you very much, Jamie Foxx. Thank you. I, I needed the help. I appreciate it. I'm not Jamie Foxx. Anyway, I'm your conscience. <laughs> Shout out to Shaq. Maybe they'll laugh at this one. <laughs> um... What drew you to be involved in sports media? I got lucky on that one. I wanted to work in the NBA for the rest of my life. So yeah. I was working for the Suns. And when I was working for the Suns, I thought I would uh, I thought I'd be there forever. Uh, Trey knows this. The other day we had DJ Bamboozle on uh, on the OG show. And he made some joke like, I mean, thought he was going to be GM on the Suns. I'm like, actually, I never wanted to be GM. Like, my goal was to be like, my realistic goal is like, I'll be director of uh, player personnel. My like, oh, if I get, if this shit really works out, I'll be an assistant GM. But I thought I was going to be that for the rest of my life. Like just working for good people, smart people, helping them be the decision makers, giving them information, whatever. And then we had a, a regime change where Steve Kerr quit. David Griffin quit the day after. And the people came in afterward. Quite frankly, people didn't know what they were doing. And so I butted heads for two years. And then after two years, it was just like, yo, this shit ain't working. Let's split ways. And when I left, I was like, yo, I'm going to get a job somewhere else. This shit, like I worked for, again, for a team that was wildly successful with some of the, you know, my references of some of the, not only great names, but great people, people like really character people. And what ended up happening was um, I got an opportunity to be on a digital video with Henry Abbott, who was working at ESPN. And, and the video was produced by Jade Hoy, who obviously is a co-owner with us here at Count the Dings. And the video did well. So they're like, yo, can you do another one? I said, sure. And I'm thinking like some team that I'm talking to is going to see it and say, oh, this guy's pretty good. We should bring him on. And what ended up happening was someone at ESPN was like, yo, this guy's pretty good. We should bring him on. And, you know, bada bing, bada boom. Like, I end up. The rest is history. The rest is history, pretty much. Yeah. So how did you end up on the Levitar show? So that one's funny because to this day, I don't know what the clear story is. I like I was kind of aware of it, but it was mostly from like listening to clips on YouTube. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a funny show. But that was it. But uh, I had a lot of friends in Miami or from Miami at the time who were connected to that show. So Tom Havistro and Zach Harper lived in Miami at the time and uh, George Sedano. And I've heard multiple versions of this story where someone different claims that they were the one that said you got to have this guy on you got to have this guy on. i don't know who it is but i'll thank all three of them and so um when the heat signed hassan Whiteside, they were like all right let's bring amin on right and so they brought me on i'll never forget this i was driving from bristol to boston because i'm going to a celtics game so i was talking to them on the phone as i'm driving up there and i'm almost into boston and they asked me, like, yo, Hassan Whiteside, this dude was playing in Lebanon. He was playing at, like, a YMCA in South Carolina. And now he's, like, averaging a double-double. How did he slip under everyone's radar? And I was like, because he was a jackass. And Dan, that shit blew Dan's mind. Because most of the time when you bring experts on, 
they give you, well, there was a like give you like a real political answer because they don't want to upset nobody. But like I kind of made up my mind once I started doing the media shit, like I'm not going to be a guy who pulls punches or whatever. It's, it's I'm not be trying to be sensationalist, but if it's true, it's true. And Hassan Whiteside was extremely immature and did a lot of dumb things starting from his pre-daft workouts. And so I kind of just told all those stories that were true stories and were like real kind of evaluations of him as a player. When you look at Hassan Whiteside, you're like, you can't believe everything here because this is a dude who doesn't quite get it in many ways. And so I've been, and I've done a zillion of these radio interviews. So I'm thinking it's just like every other one. So I hang up and I reach Boston. I start to park. I park and I get out the car, look at my phone and it's blown up. And apparently the next segment, Dan was just like, where they've been hiding this guy. Nobody talks like this. We need to have him more often, da, da, da. And so the next conversation I had with Mike Ryan, the producer was, yo, we want you to co-host, guest co-host the show. And I said, cool. Like, so should I go into my local studio or should I dial in on the Comrex box or whatever, like this device or whatever? He's like, no, we don't do that. You got to come to Miami. And so I flew to Miami to do the show. And then like, again, like Trey said, the rest is history. Like, yeah. I was I was really behind your uh Jimmy Butler take. I remember when I must have been clowning. last year or something when yeah. uh when he was on, in Minnesota. Yeah, they were on there. They were like, he's not a top 25 player, he's not a superstar. And I'm like, what you guys don't watch basketball? <laughs> like Jimmy Butler is the truth. He just keeps playing those shitty teams, and you guys are underrating him because nobody watches Minnesota. Hey, 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 Chicago's not a shitty team. <laughs> yes, they were. They were. Yes, they are. Excuse me. <laughs> they were, and everybody was calling him a locker room cancer, and he doesn't want to win. And I'm like, y'all don't know Jimmy Butler. And then you got on there and you told them like, "Yo, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Like, yeah. Jimmy Butler is real." And then he found. Then he went to Miami, and now they all in his nest. So it's funny to see, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how the pendulum. I, I still give Dan shit about that. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a great. That was a great and timely take by you. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So we get into the end part of the show, and we always ask all of our guests at the end of the show, what advice would you give to 18-year-old of me? Man, um, you know, it's funny because I, I actually think about this a lot. If I could change anything in my life, what would I change? But then I realized if I changed it, would that impact who I am today is, is do I only get to where I am if I do what I did? And so I guess I would tell myself to change my major to econ because now I know with an econ degree, you could do whatever you want because the way analytics has kind of jumped into every part of our life, right? There's a job for you, no matter what you do. Um, but then I don't know. I think I kind of had to take the path I did in order to be who I am today. Even things like, you know, I don't know, man. Like even things like relationships and stuff like that, talking to girls, everything I think about, like, oh man, I should have done this way. I'm like, but it all ended up the way it needed to be. Oh, I got one. Like, <laughs> work out i wish like i not even like work out go lift weights or whatever stretching because i got a bad back now because i'm all messed up whatever 
But if I had just stretched every day, stretch every day and do like 10 push-ups and maybe some crunches, like easy stuff, I would have been so much better off. And I didn't say, yeah, work out. Get your skinny ass on the ground and do some. Like, That's a great one because I spent so many days on the couch just getting up, the, getting out the bed, getting in the shower. Don't stretch. Don't do shit. No. Even, even when I hoop, like I, like I would go hoop and hoop for hours. Not stretch before, not stretch after, not do any of that stuff. And like, I wish I had. I'd probably still be hooping right now. Yep. That was a great one. Well, thank you for being our guest. Growing up the same, the Freaky Friday episode. You know, we appreciate it. And we appreciate the platform. Thank you, Amin. Oh, man. Don't, no, thank you guys. You guys do a great job. Uh, you know, everyone's raving about your podcast and 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 particularly like the kind of questions you guys ask the one or the two all that stuff it really resonates with people so keep up the good work and i hope everybody listening to this is subscribe liking reviewing rating all that stuff sharing because we need the support and you know you know if you tweet something out we will retweet it if you if you put on your instagram story we will repost it we share all that stuff